Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, delivered in under 60 minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Career Musician Podcast with creator and host, Nomad. With 20 plus years of experience in the music industry, Nomad has done just about everything to earn a living as a career musician. From being music director to celebrity artists, playing iconic arenas and stadiums, composing for film and TV, and even playing your average local club gigs, he's done it all. Nomad's mission is to empower musicians across the globe with strategies for a sustainable career while blasting stereotypes and to bring you tried and true wisdom from his colleagues in this crazy business we call music. Welcome to the Career Musician Podcast. My next guest is a multi-instrumentalist and founding member for a Grammy Award-winning band right here from Los Angeles. He is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, a cultural ambassador, a free thinker and student of life, and all-around badass. Touring the world with the likes of Santana, Fishbone, Mana, and has collaborated with Gabriel Iglesias, the comedian, Common the Rapper, Johnny Pacheco, De La Soul, Eddie Palmieri, and the list just keeps going. I've had the good fortune of working with this dude without even knowing it on two films, Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Happy Feet 2. As one of the founding members of this band that fuses Latin, hip-hop, rock, funk, reggae, rap, salsa, jazz, and everything else you can think of, this is their 25th anniversary year. Without further ado, I bring you Uli Beya from the Mighty Mighty Ozomatli. All right, on this episode of The Career Musician, we have Uli Bella from Ozo Motley. Uli, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So, I mean, as the intro states, you guys are Grammy winning. You have toured the world umpteen times over. You started back in the 90s. You guys are pioneers. You're on the forefront for awareness of a lot of different things that are bringing positivity to society as a whole. And man, I have to say kudos to you, brother, and kudos to the whole band. I thank you so much. You know, um, it's crazy to think about it, but, you know, we're a 25-year-old band. So in band years, you know that that's geriatric almost, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I like that band years, yeah. 
Yeah. In well, band years, you know, I'm, you know, but, and it's crazy to think that, you know, the six of us that are in this band together are all, are all original members. Of course, we were a bigger band in the beginning, you know, but the guys that are here, the guys that are still playing are all original members. And, you know, and everybody who is a musician knows and knows musicians knows how delicate that balance can be to keep a band together. And, and uh, all the variety of issues and, uh, and, and problems that could come up that basically help break up bands, you know? So um, we were really smart in a lot of ways from the beginning, from Jump, and we jumped on certain wagons really early that I think kept us together, you know? Well, man, I'm so glad you started there because myself, as a career musician that I am, I was always the sideman for other artists. You know, I was always on tour backing up other people in their band or always working on albums for other artists. Mm -hmm. But I always wanted my own band. <laughs> and I never got to fulfill that yet. That's still something I'm going to do. Um, mm -hmm. So I love the, the stark contrast between the two. You could either do this as a side person, backing up other people, or you could be a band member. And did, was that something that crossed your mind early on? Or did this happen so organically that before you realized it, you were in a band and it just poof, it was magic? I mean, how did that all transpire? Um, well, you know, when we, when we all started this band, honestly, I... I, I I would be surprised if maybe two of us actually thought that this band was going to maintain the success it had okay. because um, a lot of us were in other bands. A lot of us were doing other gigs. A lot of us were doing all kinds of stuff. And I remember too, having a meeting at uh, our, uh, our alto sax players house, uh, rest in peace, Crunchy Espinosa. We mm. were, we were at his house in the backyard and it was one of those like sitting in a circle, like, okay, it's getting there. Who's in and out? Who's in and out? You, you in and out, you know, like, you know, and it was like, there was so many of us that were like, I can't make this my first priority, man. Da, 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 da. So, you know, we've kind of all been there with that idea and dude, and this is speaking from a saxophone player, saxophone players. We're never signed members. Most of the time, you know, most of the time horn guys are all like, we, you know, we're we, auxiliary we got side men. Yeah. We got that sideman-itis, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> That's <laughs> you know, so true. Like, yeah. and, and, and you know what? To honestly, I've been both. You know, obviously with Ozo, I've always been a, a member, original member, but I've been a side guy before for other projects. And I see the pluses and minuses and, on both sides of the coin. Um, um, for example, even like Cut Chemist from Jump, he was always like, I can't really make this my first priority because Jurassic 5 is before this. And then myself, Cut Chemist, as a DJ in and of itself, uh, like, is my own thing, you know? Right. And all of us respected that because he was just so honest with it, you know? So, um, yeah, it, 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 it's something that... Um, another thing I think that we figured out really early on is that especially being a band of the size that we are at the time and having so many side signed members in the band, I guess, is that there had to be a way, because we had done the publishing splits and the songwriting splits the traditional way, I think, in the first album. And then at the, by, the, by, the, by, the, by the middle of the first album, we already knew we had to make it all equal. We had to make it where um, a collective of, of senses, you know, like in a sense where we had to like 
because what, what I noticed and what I realized too is that in a band that big, when it came to songwriting, all of a sudden it started turning into kind of like a fight in the studio about wanting to put your two cents in, whether or not it, it was good for the song, you know? So it's right. like, if I'm here, I am fighting for my little chunk of change in the song because I didn't write the lyrics, I didn't write this, but I, hey man, I wrote the horn line, I did this, I did that. Well, that's considered arranging and that's a, this and this and that. It was like we were going down all these different paths that was going to create a lot of like just inequality in the situation. And, um, and because of that, I think we survived and also just our mentality of like, you know, even for our side guys, we were paying, um, um, health insurance for them and stuff like that, you know, which is, which is pretty much unheard of. That's unprecedented, bro. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this was, yeah. I mean, for, for all our side guys, we always had, we always took care of them in health insurance. We paid people monthly. We've had people in retainer. You know, it's like we realize that we're all kind of in the same boat and we kind of have to help each other, you know, in a certain way to keep this together. As long as people have that positive intention of wanting to keep it together, we can get through the hurdles. Because believe me, and you probably know, every band goes through that moment of like, fuck this. It's over. I'm out. You know, yeah. I'm out. Like I'm out. Oh, that guy, that guy. Yeah. Oh, dude, that guy's Fuck such that an guy. asshole. Dude. Yeah, right. Fuck that guy. <laughs> you know, it's just like, uh, and we've all, and that, and you know, it's funny because back in the day we used to call it your boy. You yeah, know, who was the problem right. child in the band? Oh, that's your boy. That's you know, your boy. that's your boy. <laughs> hey, man, what's wrong with your boy, man? Why is he fucking tripping about you know? Da, 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 da? Why is he you know? So everybody's been your boy. You know, and then it's like, another. and then the person you're talking to, you're like, why has he got to be my boy? He's not, I'm not my yeah. boy. <laughs> what? I'm not condoning that behavior. Right. You know? And you're like, so, but you brought him in. <laughs> yeah. Right. That was your guy, man. No. Right, so, right. and, and, uh, so, you know, we've been through a lot, man. We've been through a lot uh, as a band, you know, almost splitting up several times and, and, we were one of the, we were like, dude, like even before that whole, some kind of monster Metallica movie, like we've had issues as a band where like early on in our career, we like looked for like a, some sort of like therapy mediator, whatever you want to call it, like a person who could hear everybody's point of view and still be, you know, um, not on anybody's side, you know, indifferent to like, uh, political opinion amongst ourselves, you know, the inner politics of the band. So um, early on, we were like, you know, doing like these group team therapy kind of things where we were trying to like figure out ways to basically um, call each other out on each other's shit and have a productive, positive way of, 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 of just basically squashing those beats, you know? That's brilliant, and, and, but dude, it took it took years. It took years. <laughs> so, so, so it, it was effective, though. You found like a therapist, or how? Like, how did you guys go about finding that? Person? We've had we've had well, our first manager, Amy Blackman. Um, you know, she introduced us to uh, our, our first kind of like therapist, I guess if you could say. Yeah, and um, that was in a very, very, very dark time in the band, and. Um, uh, since then we've had different people though. We've worked with different people through the years. It's not like we just stuck with one person. We've worked with different people 
And it almost allowed us to like be able to like, like a toddler, be able to take our own steps where not, we don't need somebody to like mediate every time now that we have beefs with each other, we could kind of like call a meeting and, 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 and confront each other in a, in a way where it's not like threatening to the other person, but you're calling them on your, sh- on their shit. Right. And then I think to this day though, if something nuclear happens, something really fucked up where it's like, dude, we're in DEFCON four type shit with the band. I don't think any of us would be at all like, hesitant in calling somebody in to mediate the, the problem you know man that is such a mature way of handling things and it just speaks to your business ethic i mean you guys have nailed this as far as i'm concerned the whole premise of the career musician is all about business acumen being a musician because when you start being a musician you don't think oh i'm going to turn this into a business and make money and it's going to be my livelihood that's not why you start because you fall in love with music and that's why but then as, as the trajectory takes you across the pond, right, then you figure it out. Okay, whoa, now we have to implement that business standard. And you guys did just that. I mean, like you said, health insurance, taking care of your side, man, having these meetings, having a band therapist, this stuff is brilliant. I was actually going to ask you, it's the perfect dovetail. Um, do you have like written contracts amongst the band members aside from publishing splits? How did you guys devise that? Because this is very smart that other bands might want to, you know, take some of these um, ideas. Uh, yeah, totally. Like, uh, the, um, early on, we didn't have like a band contract, but then it got to a point where it was maybe like, I don't know, maybe the third or fourth time we almost broke up or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, uh, it had more to do with the money aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, then I believe we did, we did drop like a band agreement, you know, I don't that's know if, if, if it's, it's, and it's not nothing that's like, super draconian you know like ah you know like you know you broke the contract man you know it's kind of just something that that um we just have in place for i guess i guess for just for everybody's sake you know but that's um, brilliant that's brilliant yeah 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 and uh you know we've gone through it all man because you gotta you gotta see that like as far as Ozo motley was concerned we were at that tail end mid-90s where the old model was still very much alive as far as like, you know, what, uh, advances, uh, were, you know, were and artist development yeah. and a tour support, just crazy concepts like that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> like the, what the music business was founded on. Right. Yeah. Shit. You know, like, yeah. like not just like fucking kicking you to the curb, like yeah. after your first album or your single, you know, it's like, sometimes I think about it, like, what if they would have kicked Led Zeppelin to the curb? You know, they wouldn't have been Led Zeppelin four, right? Or Led Zeppelin, whatever the fuck, you know, it's just like, there's so many times where, um, it's, you know, of course, again, um, the, the positive, positive and negatives of, of the environment and the, and the times we're living in, that's one thing that breaks my heart sometimes is to see like an artist just, you know, come out with one thing and then it's like, that's it. Like there's no more love. There's no more push for them. And they probably have invested their whole lives into this, obviously, you know? And, uh, that's one of the rough things about kind of the modern industry and how it kind of is going, you know, man, that's something I actually read this, uh, from one, a previous interview, I believe 
where you were saying, you know, the whole strategies of how to release albums. And if you don't have the machine on your side, then you're never going to get heard. And bro, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I always, and it's funny because I always call it the machine too. And it's like, now music has become such a fucking commodity that unless you have the machine, that commodity is never going to be heard by the masses. And yeah, yeah, and it's and it's know. a it's a fucked up reality for musicians to to like swallow. Yeah, you know because we're so connected to our art, We've, we 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 fucking sacrifice our lives, our social lives, our family lives, our mm-hmm. our whatever development to, to 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 do this and to be this. You know, and uh, for it to just turn into like what it has become is a hard fucking reality for a lot of musicians to swallow. And believe me, I have to put a little bit of fucking sugar in it myself because it is hard for me to swallow as a musician for I don't know how most of my life. You know, it's like, like, wow, nobody wants to pay for music anymore. Okay, Mm. I see how it is. Oh, motherfuckers don't want, you know, like just the way obviously with the development also of, 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 of studio uh, technology and everything, it's like everybody has music. Right. It's almost like, it's almost like that, that, that person who comes up to you is like, Oh, I got a friend who will do it for way cheaper. Yeah. Okay, man. You know, it's like the supply is overwhelming the demand <laughs> at this point. Ugh. So, so, um, um, it, it, it's really, so my, my whole thing is like, well, what do we got? that other motherfuckers don't, you know, what do we have mm. that we can like, like really, you know, and of course it's always been our live show. It's always been our live performance. Cause honestly, that's like one of the last things is us as musicians still can't, they can't bottle that up, man. Nope. You can't, you can't be in your living room watching like a festival, like Glastonbury or Coachella mm. and be like, yeah, man, this is the thing. <laughs> Fuck no. You know, you want that, that, that thump, you want that, that feeling of all these, it's so primitive and tribal and, and like it etched into our DNA of, 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 of us as, as, as a, as a creature on this planet. Right. So that's the one thing that they still can bottle up. And it's the one thing that it was like always been because Ozo Motley as a band, we've never had like a massive commercial hit. We've had some commercial success, but we never had that one song that was like, oh my God, that's you guys, right? So our live show has always been that vehicle that everybody would, you know, our reputation would always yes. precede us, you know? It was like, oh yeah, Ozamali, oh. yeah, I heard, I heard they put on a great live show. That's well, right. Hey, that sounds like fun. Let's go see them. And sure enough, they come, they have a great time. They have a, you know... You know, um, they have their life experiences there and it connects it to something way deeper, you know. So um, obviously with COVID, all that's kind of taking a shit. But but <laughs> that was the thing that we had, man. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. And it's so true because when I first got turned on to you guys in the early 2000s, I was like, first of all, I heard it. And I was like, who the hell are these guys? I love them. Like immediately I was like, okay. Uh, well, how come I'm not in that band? Like I was mad, you know. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and then the further I got into, I was like, oh shit, yeah. Now I have not had the chance to see you guys live yet, so I can't wait for hopefully one day that that it comes back because I am going to be there. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, man. we the last live show we did was kind of cool because uh, it was uh, one of those drive-in shows. We did it with Fishbone. And My wife Ventura. told me yes, yes. It's really, really. 
honestly, everybody out there, whoever's watching this, um, if you have an opportunity to go see a live show that way, I'd say do it, especially if it's a band you like. You know, um, yeah, it's different. It's different, but it's definitely helpful, and um, and it's a good time, honestly. Right? Do you have any more of those drive-in shows on the books currently, or as of right now, that's the problem, though. As fun as they are, and as cool as they are, yeah. they're few and far between. Yeah, yeah. And I think all of us as bands and artists, we're all kind of like scrambling to think of like what is going to be the the thing to do, whether or not it's it's um, you know, the projections, you know, cause I have people talking to me that it's, the shit's not going to pop off until 2022. Then I have right. people telling me, nah, man, by summer 21, you'll be good. You'll be right. I mean, did I think we were even going to, honestly, when we were, when this whole thing popped off, we were recording a new album in El Paso, Texas. That's at right. This beautiful, at this beautiful studio called Sonic Ranch. Sonic Ranch, dude. I was right? just going to say that that place is amazing. I did one album there. Oh, I'm so glad you guys worked at Sonic. Wow. Yeah. We, we were there for like, we were there for like over, uh, oh, close to two weeks. Oh, and that's amazing. You know, you know, the vibe there, you, know, yes. so you live there basically. Oh, you live there and they and cook for you every day. Yes, they make yes. The, the, the ladies of the house, they make the most amazing burritos and breakfast. I mean, just ridiculous. Yeah. So we were, we were out there uh, and uh, David Garza was producing us and we were nice. having a ball, man. And I mean, of course, you know, um, then this whole thing was coming out in the news. Yeah. And honestly, I, I, w I was like, oh, this is SARS part two. Like, this will probably be all like said. I mean, believe me, like uh, we had so much on the books. You know, we were going to go to Hawaii, New mm. Year's Eve gigs, you name it. And, uh, you know, yeah. um, yeah, it's just, now, it's just about adaption now. Yeah, now this one I see on the on the tour, it says uh, Rialto Theater in Tucson, Arizona, the 23rd of October. I see it on the page. Is that happening? Probably not. Okay, so it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> sensitive. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably okay. I mean, I'm I don't I don't maybe, I don't know. Um I'm I'm pretty sure most of our gigs are not happening um okay. Unless something yeah. new. I mean, Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe I'm I'm wrong and I'm like, oh my god, I got a gig. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, and that's the other thing. We've done streaming things. Yeah, we've done like where we play in a room and they film us for their virtual events. We we you know we're trying to do whatever we can, and in any way we can to stay connected. You know, absolutely. Now the current lineup. Uh, is this is just the six of you, right? So it's mm -hmm. Will Dog, Raul, Justin, Astrubal, Uli, and Yiro. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Did yep. I pronounce Astrubal and Yiro correctly? Uh, Astrubal, but we usually could call them Azdru and Jiro. Yep, Jiro, Azdru mm -hmm. and Jiro. Okay, so so you guys have been the the core, even though, like you said, we had you had a member that passed, and you had some other sidemen go in and out, right? Mm -hmm. But you guys yes. have been the, we, yeah, we, the core since yeah. since the beginning, since inception. Uh -huh. Okay. And then uh, and it looks like I know you've had so many other things. But in 98, you opened for Satana, uh, Santana on the Supernatural Tour. And then mm -hmm. actually this year is your 25th anniversary then, being 2020. Yeah. So yep. that's huge. But like you said, you can't do much for it, right? I'm sure you had some big plans, but they kind of got... We did a, uh, you know, uh, 
our birthday is April 1st. So um, we did a big virtual event. You know, we had like a big virtual concert uh, to celebrate. Okay. And, um, you know, honestly, the way, uh, as far as just my opinion, as far as just like what I've seen, and I don't know, it's similar with other artists and bands. um, The virtual thing came out really hot. Uh, out the oven at first you know like yeah like the first three of them were really good for us and i was just like wow this is cool but i think there was a certain amount of like um um after a certain point of people wa- just looking at things on the screen mm-hmm. i don't know if, if if we saw like just a kind of like a decline a little bit as far as like maybe it's just exhaustion screen exhaustion you know right. it's like how much right, can right, you right. party in front of a phone you know <laughs> yeah. it's like i i get it you know i get it uh, that we all want to stay connected but man it it, it it is one of those things you know no i feel i totally feel <laughs> that i totally feel that all right so and ironically you and i have some things in common uh we both worked on the mr and mrs smith soundtrack I, okay. I played uh, all the guitars, the Spanish guitars and, and, oh, and great. funk and rock guitars for John Powell, the composer. Yeah, nice. that was kind of cool. And you guys did, I think, if I'm not mistaken, was it like the party scene when Brad and Angelina? Yeah, in- I believe, uh, yeah, just, they just wouldn't use one of our songs in that movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, America, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, yes, I, I, I think that's, I think so. Anyway, that was super dope. And then also, uh, well, we both started playing around in our 20s, like professionally, so... Uh, and then, of course, I was going to say, we just uh, interviewed Fishbone, Norwood Fisher uh, from Fishbone. Oh, nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a cool cat. And I know you guys have done work together throughout the years. Yeah, I mean, um, I'll, I'll be, we always say this, and me and Will Dog will always say this, and first to be like, if it wasn't for that band, I don't know if Ozo Motley would have existed in the way it does. Wow. Because they were that immensely influential to that scene of, of musicians in LA at the time. Um, they were to us like the pinnacle, like, uh, you know? And so when we get to play with them or get to hang out with them or get to just vibe with them, it's, it's, you know, it's always, at this point, it's kind of like colleagues, but right. still right. I have that, that, that certain amount of respect and, and I know they love us and we love them. And, uh, we've shared a lot of cool things with with Fishbone. That's amazing, bro! Amazing. And Norwood was a sweetheart, just you know, the best of the best. And I love how what you just said. It's like this; they developed like this cultish kind of underground scene out here in LA. And then it just, like you said, it caught on, and and you guys are the same, you know, of that same vibe. So, right. And, well, and, I mean, it, it, totally. Um, but I remember like junior high, man, like uh, when I was in junior high, it was like, there's no better band than Fishbone, man. <laughs> it's like, no, like no other band mattered. Red Hot Chili Peppers, no, right. no, no, none of that. Right, it's right, like, right. yo, you want the real deal? Like what? Go to a Fishbone show, man. Like, oh, dude, <laughs> as they said, Fishbone's Red Hot, right? That was always like their thing. Uh, and um, and uh, so... And Angelo being one of like the best front men in the world. And yes, you know, the band, I mean, now they got fish back on the drums and it's ridiculous, you know, and Chris is back. Yes. So they're like one guy. Sh- I mean, dude, I mean, they're just, they're, they're just amazing bands, you know? Yeah. I worked with fish once before in another band. He was a cool dude, super cool dude, man. I was so stoked to, to be able to work with him. Yeah. So, okay. So, killer drummer, dude. Killer oh, drummer. Oh, stupid. Like, wow. The groove is just like ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Stupid, right? All right. So, so talking about that, 
that had to be, like you said, you guys were still kind of in that old band model when the, the music business still had an actual working model. You guys toured like crazy. From your perspective, talk about tour essentials. How do you pack? How do you prepare? What are some of the little touring tips that you've learned over the years? You know, do you have any insight like that? Um, okay, so of course, style of packing has changed through the years, you know <laughs> what I mean? And you have to be able to like think about it from like, okay, how long are you gonna be out on the road? Is it an international tour? Is it just mm-hmm. a national tour? You know, are you going to be out? Are you going to be basically living out of the bag for the rest of the summer or only for a month or a couple of weeks? But um, I'm one of those people who like to pack light, you know, in some ways, as far as, you know, um, essentials is concerned, of course, you know, you know, get, have your clean underwear, have your clean socks. (laughs) One of the funnier stories I always remember was like, as an early band, uh, Justin Pore, our our percussionist, his father, Greg Pore, is like a legendary session musician in an LA and had worked with all kinds of people, you name it. Yeah, and I know so I know his name. Justin um had grown up with all kinds of people, dude. So one time we were on the road and he was like, Hey, let's go. We were all like, Hey, let's go see Earth, Wind, and Fire. And Justin's like, Oh, I know those dudes. I grew up with those guys. So here comes Verdine. <laughs> um, from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Happy yeah. to see Justin. Like, damn, you got big, man. You got wow. big. Oh, this is your band. This is your band. And I remember one of the first things he said was like, "Okay, guys, you on the road? Take your vitamins and don't forget your rubbers." And we were just like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> so that is. But hilarious. back to back to I thought it was just a funny story for I me love that. from hearing like, what's a Turing essential. Right. Um, right. For me, for me, it uh, it's always been like I'm still kind of an old school guy. Like I love, I I, lo- I still love my iPod. It's funny because people nice. think it's so kind of like old, but I have so much music, and I always want to be near it. And I always, I don't right. need internet. Like I just want my music by me. <laughs> right. Like, so for me, it, um, having my music as something to listen to music in the room has always been essential for me. And, um, so did you bring a cool little, uh, like speaker, a little Bluetooth speaker yeah, or something? Little, yeah. You know, back in the day it's evolved too. Cause yeah, back yeah. in the day it was like, you know, like a, a straight boom box right. to like, um, uh, we went through a computer speaker phase where we mm-hmm. just buy computer speakers and blow them out. Mm-hmm. And then to now, like, you know, what people have nowadays is like kind of your Bluetooth speaker kind of thing. And, um, so that, that's kind of definitely one of the essentials for me. It's funny because some of the guys in the band kind of consider me kind of like boy scoutish with my yeah. touring stuff. You know, it's like, I need a toothpick. Well, we'll ask Uli. He has Uli. Oh, I, I love that. <laughs> you know, I like, I like, I have all kinds of shit in my bag, you know, cause that's the other thing. It's like, if I'm touring and I put stuff underneath the plane, there's going to be a mentality in my head that like, you might not see that shit. That shit might be locked. Bro, that's so, real. Yes. So, so like I have, certain essentials i have like a, a a mini toiletry bag in my backpack i have like I do the same one, thing one one one, ba- one set of, of of socks and underwear in my backpack at all times just yes. because you never know like if you get stranded it's happened to me man yeah you get stranded at an airport you're, you're like what the next flight's gonna be tomorrow guy oh your bags they're stuck back there 
fuck you. Gone. Okay. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? You know? So, um, and yes, touring sir. internationally, you know, just like all the like things that you might need or whatever. Right. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it's kind of hard for me to like, even just thinking about it, like breaking it down. Cause like part of me is like, uh, only bring so many socks, only two right. pairs of pants, only <laughs> da, 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 da. you know, it's like, uh, like, you know, uh, one pair of shorts, uh, two pairs of shoes, you know, like, like I'm all kind of like just thinking of all the, the, the rituals that I go through right before I, I hit the road hard, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm so glad you said ritual because I do the same freaking thing and it takes, sometimes I procrastinate, which I hate by the way, because now it's yeah. like the night before and maybe it's like after dinner, you had dinner with the family and now it's like eight o'clock. You're like, oh shit. Now I have to figure out how the hell I'm going to build this packing schematic. Right. right. <laughs> like, right. And your brain is just over processing. That's so I like to try to pack two days before I go. Right. Yes. To give yes, yourself yes. some leeway. Yeah. That way, that shit is just sitting by the door. Yes, bro. Ready to go. Oh. And if you've forgotten anything, you remember. You're like, oh, shit. Oh. I forgot that. That's I right. Gotta put that in the fucking bag. <laughs> man. Right. So if you leave on Thursday, start packing Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah, like, man. And that's the thing. It's like we've been, uh, the, there was a, there was a time in our, in our, in our career where we were on the road, like, 10 months out of the year, man, nine months out of the year, like right. for sure. So, um, man, a, a lot, you know, just the, you know, just a lot of like, and that's the other thing too, you know, it's like certain stuff. You don't have to panic if you forgot it, man. You that's know, right. it's like, Oh, right, yeah. hit up the target. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Certain things, certain things you're going to be like, Oh my God, I fucked up. Like, <laughs> how did I, how did I not pack that? Like, like your in-ears? Can you imagine if you forgot your in-ears in now? Dude, <laughs> one, or, or, you know, I've had those moments, those like real stupid, like I stupid fucked up moments, you know? And, and I remember one time it was like one time we had a gig out, um, kind of by like the John Wayne airport, like a little past that. Oh Yeah. And we weren't coming home after that gig because we were going to fly out of there and go hit mm. the road. And I had forgotten my, like my melodica or something that's like I, I need for the set. Right. Yo, I called the Uber and I was like, I told my wife, just put that thing in the back seat and bring it over here. And it was like, and I followed it and like, boom, it got. <laughs> wow. Talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. modern advancements saving the day, right? Yeah, just like, <laughs> oh man, part of me is like, how am I going to drive home in the middle of the night just to get that thing? Right. That is awesome, man. All right. Well, let's talk about that because you are a multi-instrumentalist. And now did you start on saxophone? No, I actually started on a classical piano. Wow. Like most people, I wanted to play guitar, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I was like, dude, I want to learn guitar, man. I want to learn electric guitar. My dad was a violinist and had studied in Spain and whatever. And oh wow, because um, he's from out there and um, yeah. uh, classical violin. So uh, his whole thing was like, okay, that's nice, but you should start on the piano. Right. I'm like, nah, nah, you know, like, oh, yeah, you need that foundation. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and 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 I ended up taking about like almost close to 15 years worth of piano lessons. Like, wow. like I was actually pretty decent towards the end, like where I, I could like memorize Rachmaninoff pieces and things like that. I was just going to say, and, do you still have the repertoire under your fingers? 
Ah, uh, okay. Okay, because in classical music, it's all about the repertoire, right? You got to have that yes, repertoire. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, you got to have the repertoire. Like, like maybe if I sat down and really put time into it, I could turn out an invention, one of those Bach inventions. Oh yeah. But, 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 but like, like the pieces I used to be able to play, I don't know if I, I couldn't pull that off anymore just because I, I don't, I don't invest time in it. You I don't, don't practice time. it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, it's like for me now at this point, keyboard is just more like functional. Like yeah. I don't need to learn fucking Rachmaninoff. I just right. need to learn a part. That's easy. <laughs> that's, okay. That's easy. You know, like. Like if I, if I know a part and I can figure it out, I have enough, I have enough chops to do that. So like, like if you teach me a part, teach me the chords right? or let me know what I need to do, I can figure something out, but I'm, I, I'm by no means a keyboardist or a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hire me for a gig. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> but I think especially as we morph into artists and our own voices, that's what happens. Like you said, it becomes more function than just right, learning. Right, right. The, yeah. Yeah. So from piano, I went to clarinet. Nice. And I studied classical clarinet for years, and but then there was that there is that moment, the logical next step for most most clarinetists or woodwind people is you start playing sax. So I started playing sax about in the seventh or eighth grade, and then um, then I it's funny. Then I went back to guitar. I started wanting to learn guitar like in the eighth or ninth grade because nice. And and part of it was interesting because sax, clarinet, and piano were so formal in my training like very like lessons with really good people great you know great music professors um learning the the classical repertoire learning the history learning the music theory all that shit right that when i wanted to learn guitar i was like i don't want lessons on guitar i took Ah. a look i took some classical lessons on guitar just to kind of get a little bit but i got to a point where i was like no i just want to learn songs i like yeah, and I lo- I want to learn fucking bar chords and Ramon yeah. songs and shit yeah. like that. So, um, it, it, it that kind of like gave me a kind of a musical outlet from the formality, so which is kind of right. cool. So, um, but you had that, it, you, know. you had that tremendous no, you had that tremendous foundation. Like, see, see, that's that's something that I try to impart to the younger generations. Like, listen, don't sleep on putting in the time with the classical uh, technique, jazz uh, harmonies and understanding of that and overall theory, you know, because if, when, once you have those foundations, then you can do anything you want. I, I mean, right, and, right, and right, that's right. exactly what you did. Yeah. I, and, well, and also the other thing is too, is that like, even to the much like protest of my classical clarinet teacher who really did not want me to play saxophone and really did not want <laughs> me to play jazz. Right. Like his vision of me was probably more apt to like be trying to get into the Philharmonic or, mm. uh, or like some sort of city kind of symphony orchestra, you know, um, part of me like saw the politics of the classical world mm. and how competitive it was and how intense it was. Mm. And I was just like, yo, that, I don't know if that I can, I can hang with that. You know, it's like, like military. Right, yeah. dude. It's like six to eight. Six, okay, it's first off, everyone's good. 
Yeah. Right. Anyone. Right. First stop. It's crazy. Everyone is already fucking good. Everybody when can play their the ass chair, off. Yeah. When the chair opens up for any position at the Philharmonic, mm-hmm. pretty much everybody that shows up can play their fucking ass yeah. off. Yeah. And so then it gets to the point where it's like, yeah. just like when you watch the Tchaikovsky competition, the piano mm. competition, it, it, it gets to the minutia of mm. all these like really crazy details in the phrasing and in mm. the this. Mm. And in the that, and forget the artistic part of it. Then there's the politics of the orchestra, and that guy is an asshole, and that guy's gonna get has been in the first chair because even though he's not that good, and da 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 da, -da, and all that bullshit. I was like, this shit sucks. And then, (laughs) and then, and then I, you know, of course, jazz is is so hard too to study, and I and I was a hardcore jazz fiend in college, like totally immerse myself into that vibe and then that learning and then that style. And the one thing that it's funny, all that, all that formal training totally helped, you know, but it's funny. The one thing that totally got me into like thinking completely out of the box, which is funny because for most horn players, it's like, what are you going to do? You play in a ska band, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, one of the first <laughs> from bebop to ska <laughs> so, yeah so one of the first bands i was in was called this band called yes ska and it was funny because our whole premise for the, a lot of the guys in the band was like uh we took it back to like the old school ska but we added tito puente to it so we added this latin ska fusion and everybody soloed and everybody got to mm. like play their little jazz lick and everybody you know it was very much almost like a jazz setting, but it had people dancing. And I totally remember that first couple gigs with Yeska where the room went insane and people were just dancing. And I was like, mm, this is where it's at. This yeah. is where it's at. You know, like this is where it's at for me, where like the room is alive and people are moving yes. and then everybody's like, so the, the next step after that is like Ozo Motley. That was like our whole premise from jump. It was like, what style do you know of music? It's like, oh, I know this. I know salsa. I know merengue. I know, I know Jamaican music. I know uh, cumbia. I know this. I know. Th- but the one thing that unified it all, hip hop, you name it, funk, was wanting to get people to dance. That was mm. like our big thing, you know. And thus the name of the band, because uh, Ozo Motley is essentially the god of dance. Um, okay, so our original drummer, we had another name before, but our original drummer. Anton Morales was like, hey, man, why don't we name the band Ozo Motley? And we we're like, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> and he's he started breaking it down to us. Little did we know that that was his birth sign in the Aztec in the Aztec system. Right. So he was born in the sign of Ozo Motley. So he had known about it. But when he they mentioned it to the band, it was just something out, you know, like, whoa, Ozo Motley, what's that? You know? So yeah, we named our band after Nawa, you know, like a, a, a obscure, not an obscure di- indigenous, actually very popular indigenous language in Mexico, but right. I guess obscure to the world, maybe uh, I don't know, or but. obscure to <laughs> Americans. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's very, you know, it's, it's very, uh, you know, I mean, there's people who still study it and speak it, but but it yeah. it that's like that's where it came out of, you know, it's, and uh, so yeah, you know. <sighs> That's so dope, man. So I love the fact that all of your classical and jazz and all this other training has informed you artistically. Talk about that, because I think a lot of times, especially, look, we see it now, you know, 
on you could blow up on YouTube or Instagram as being a prodigy player. You could have all these chops and just be nuts. But how does that inform your art? And that's what I always want to look at. When I see these, these up-and-coming sh- monsters, mm. like you say, shredders online, I'm like, dude, I could right, never right, fucking right. play that. Like, oh, my gosh. But where is the art? Like, how did that all inform your art? And what do you think that process has been? Well, share about your process. Yeah, you know. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, I follow a lot of people on Instagram that I'm like, wow, they play so much better than me. God right. damn. <laughs> I do the same thing. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Look yeah, at this kid. What are He's you blowing doing? me away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I realized, though, then, and then, but then again, that's another, I mean, for, I guess for most of us working musicians, we understood this point a while ago, but there's more to it than just playing, man. And of yes. course, playing is important. Yes. Get it. Hey, get it. Hey, if you were, but check it out. I know people who went to Juilliard and they're not fucking working. That's right. And, you know, and it's like, it's rough, man. And if you're an asshole, guess what? It's going to be even rougher. I don't give a fuck how good you play. That's right. You know what I mean? How many assholes can get away yeah. with like, like being the called guy, you know, like very few, man. Very you few, gotta yeah. be, you gotta be on some Prince level shit. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like where, where, yeah. where, where you are, where, where not only you, can you put it out, but you can, I mean, you're just, you can put, you can prove it right there on the spot. Yeah. Like, and- like you know, it's, it's crazy. So I, I think that, um, in that development, you know, um, that's the other thing, you know, it's like, but you know, kind of like what's that? What's that argument? It's like if the Beatles never left their bedroom, you know what I mean? It's like right. there has to be also um, a thing to how you perform, mm-hmm. how you connect with the audience, with people. How you know? Um, very few people can pull a Miles Davis and play to the back <laughs> to the audience. You know, right. very. You know, it takes. Uh, who do you think you are, Miles Davis? Yeah, it takes a Miles okay. Davis to do that. <laughs> 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 who do you think you are, kid? Right. No, man, you gotta, you gotta talk to the audience. You gotta, it's, it, it, there's all these other, you know, that's the thing, of course. And I'm sure you understand, you've seen this in your own development. There's so many things they could teach. They could have taught us when we were kids mm-hmm. about the music industry, about the musician life mm-hmm. that could have been so helpful in, in supplementing our success, you know? Okay, bro, again, this is why I built this platform, TCM, because this, I feel it's our job as, as cats like us who are experienced in these real world, real life shit to go out and teach it because nobody taught right, us right, it. Right. We had to learn it on our own. Yeah, right? yeah. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of things that sometimes, um, and I'm not even going to be like younger cats. Sometimes older cats yeah, drop the ball. And you're right. Things, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, you're right. And, you're right. And sometimes the younger cats are the ones that are all fucking pro and shit. That you know, know their I mean? shit. Like, right, 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 right. Yeah, know their shit. They're not yeah. fucking around, you know? And, uh, Good, so, you're right. Good point. Good point. Uh, you know, so it, it, um, and that's, well, yeah, that's one thing for sure is that, um, even when I was a young cat, yeah. I was very much respectful about yes. my elders. Yes. About the Rev- giants that, that I'm <sighs> standing on the shoulders of. Yes, we you had know, reverence. Said, yes, dude. I mean, and 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 I still encounter that with certain young people. I do. Right. I do. Right. I, I I mean, one time I was out of fucking out of the blue. This guy just started talking to me about music and whatever, and he was so detailed in his knowledge that I had to be like, "How old are you again?" 
You know, like, how old are you again? And he was really impressive. So um, it, I, I think there is that thing of that, like, like in any tradition and in any study, I think that, um, that you always have to see what things have been tackled before you. That mm. way you don't make the same mistakes. And that way you can tackle it and move on and create a new voice for yourself, you know? Dude. So all my life, I've always had reverence for, you know, my elders in, in the music industry, all yes. the men and women that have changed, you know, music, you know, and study their shit. Or at least even if I don't dig them, like know who the fuck they are and know their body to work. Yes. Be like, okay, I don't really dig that shit, but hey, yeah. I know who the fuck he is. Right. And I know he's a heavy duty cat. Right. You know, like, you know, right. and, 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 and so like, even in that, you know, it's like, and to this day, I'm always like, you know, I, I listen to new music. I do. And, and there's isn't that many bands where I'm like, Oh my God, dude, I got to fucking, you know, like that kind of passion that you have when you're a lot younger, right. you know, but, right. um, listening to music and it being a part of my life is still enjoyable for me. So, uh, you know, it's like, this it's 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 just at this point a part of who I am, and I'm always thinking about the people who have changed. And I mean, to this day, there's certain part of me that's like hard to get past 1982 in jazz. <laughs> oh, you know? dude, I couldn't you agree know? with that more. Like, I'm like, like there's yeah, like don't get me wrong. There's guys that are killer, man. Yes, there's yes. guys that are fucking smoking. Stupid, right, right, right. And, and there's a lot of music that like that, that I, that I'm kind of stuck in the, in the, in the time capsule, even though like shit, there's a whole new scene of jazz people right. that are into shit like snarky puppy, snarky lettuce, right. you know, all these bands that hallelujah, man, motherfuckers are into like seeing cats play. Right. Kamasi, it, you know, yeah. you know, Kamasi Washington, Kamasi Washington. I mean, that guy is like, great. like Kamasi is like, 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 you know, uh, top one percent if you think about it when it yes. comes to jazz yes you know what i mean like he jazz broke through as, as, as a music that's actually kind of like feeding you right he <laughs> fucking broke through you know? he broke through the ceiling it's like oh my gosh so we're all rooting for him you know <laughs> and the thing is is that i think part of it too is that obviously he's a cool guy and yes. that part of it too is that like he's tapping into a, a, a an era of jazz right. that was so fucking cool you know, like that Pharaoh Sanders, yes. that fucking cosmic Alice Coltrane, yes. like big orchestra, crazy sounds, voices and shit that's tapping into a really cool era of, of you know, of jazz, you know? Yeah, that's if perfect. you want to call it jazz. No, yeah. Black music, whatever you want to call it, you know, an amalgam like really of all. Cool. Yeah, yeah, an amalgamation of all that stuff, man. That's so true because one of my favorites is West Montgomery, one of my huge influences. And right. I would, I would much rather listen to some old, you know, fifties and early sixties West than listen to something newer. Only because for me, it has that vintage retro quality and just that. I'm not. I don't know. It's just like it was the original. It, we're talking about the pioneers, right? So and and well well one of the things too is that when you realize that when you listen to people like Wes Montgomery or you know you name it you know Jim Hall or any Jim of those Hall, guitar players yes. or Joe Pass Charlie Christian yeah Joe Charlie Christian yes, yes 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 or, or any of these cats right any of the is cats you right, realize, right you realize that for a lot of these takes they're just playing man you know yes. it's not like it's not like 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 what it is nowadays it's like with the technology and the time 
I might be able to push out a fucking like Coltrane-esque album, you know? Right, right. <laughs> you know, like where it's like, oh my God, how did he do that? Right. Oh yeah, I, I did this. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee you know? paste, yeah. Snip, you know, snip, or do whatever, and, and you know? Whatever, like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Most people that re- have recorded from the, the era of tape to now, yeah. it's like when, when, you, when, when we, re- we recorded our first album on tape, and I remember just like the drama that that was mm. like that 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 covered the studio when you had to cut the shit, you know, <sighs> or you know, like all just crazy shit and just like nailing your part, like really yes. fucking nailing it, like really yes. being able to play it. And if you didn't play it, you're wasting fucking time, yo. <laughs> you know, which was so, money, yeah. yeah. Yo, this is Uli, Ulises Bea from the mighty, mighty Los Angeles-born Ozo Motley, and you're listening to this wonderful podcast, The Career Musician. Sign up for The Career Musician newsletter at thecareermusician.com. Help us continue to provide you with new and engaging content by getting our ratings up. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And your heart's going like this, and you're like, oh, man, like, motherfuckers are going to start calling the union, you know? <laughs> that that like, anxiety, right? can play. <laughs> Get Plath Johnson down here, he'll nail it real fast, you know? Like, uh, fucking R.I.P. fucking uh, Buddy Collette, he was a teacher of mine back in the day, but he was like, wow. like famous-ass saxophone musician in the, you know, anyway, but... Right, right, right. Yeah, man. Man, that is such good stuff. All right, yeah. So I love the fact that we've covered really everything, man. And you've shared so much of your, you know, your principles and methods and concepts, how you think. So thank you so much. Do you have any, uh, you know, words of advice? Let's say some some young person is listening to this, and I don't know Idaho, and their dream is to come out to LA and make it as a musician. You know, what are you going to tell that person? Okay. Wow. That's, that's heavy duty because I'd be like, yo, stay your ass home in Idaho, <laughs> homie. No, so would I. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause yeah, nowadays yeah. you could do it from anywhere, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, dude. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One cool thing that is now that yeah. would have never fucking happened back then. Right. Was exactly that. Like there's people that can pump out a song and become viral, have yes. millions of fans yes. without, a help of any machine that is fucking cool to me, you know, whether, and, and there's plenty of people yep. that through, you know, your YouTubes or your whatever's yep. they blew the fuck up. Had, and I think that's amazing. I think that's like one of the cooler things about what is the new environment, the present, you know, um, you know, not, you know, and, uh, but have you heard of somebody like, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. But for, no. for somebody like that, like the Idaho guy, I would just be like, listen, man, be realistic in the environment and your intentions. Mm. If you're doing this because you love this and you don't know anything else, like music is part of your fucking inner core DNA, the root, by all means, do it, man, and put everything you've got into it. If you're coming here with a, remember, like, you know, Spanish people, uh, people who speak Spanish, pajaritos en la cabeza, like, <laughs> if you're coming with little birds in your head thinking you're going to be the new fucking whatever, you think you're going to be the new Kanye West, the new yeah, this, yeah. the new that, 
the new fucking, um, you know, Post Malone, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Como mierda. Like that's 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 you're 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 fucking up, man. If you yeah. think if you're doing it just for the fame and the money, you're you're gonna be gravely disappointed. Now, true. Hey, man, maybe you luck out. Maybe you hit the lotto. Maybe you got that je ne sais quoi that fucking all of a sudden everybody wants to give you $5 because you do what you do. God bless you. But I think for the 99.99999% of us who are actually in the trenches of this shit, you, it, it's got to be motivated by love, man. It's got to be motivated by this is what you want to do. Whether I'm going to fucking have caviar or whether i'm going to eat cup of noodles every day you know what i mean yes and and, and that's and, and and i've had both and and, and and i'm okay with living in the middle bro you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i love it well hey man that's what rice and beans are for they're filling man they're nourishing yes <laughs> you know? i love yes. it man. yes they are i would say like my dad always used to say Como mierda. it's like you know don't you're eating yeah. shit don't think that you're the shit you know just wake up man to have that realism yeah you and, know, uh, and it's true. And it's true, man. It's yeah. just like, and I think that kind of idea, you know, most of us who are be, knowing the industry know what it used to be like or what it was. And then now how it is. Yeah. It's like when I hear a youth talk about, I'm going to get that deal. Mm. I'm going to blow the fuck up. Yeah. Part of me is like, brother, like, come here. Like, let me talk to you real quick. Like, no, like, right. You know, these deals that are popping up now, you know, guess what? They own, they own you, man. They own you. The, 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 the idea of like certain things back in the day were sacred, bro. Like, like when we first started the concept of the, of, of, of the label wanting some of your merch money or mm. publishing money yeah. is like, Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, the 360 deal shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now <laughs> yeah. it's standard, bro. It's standard, they want right. a mordida of everything. They want a bite of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they don't like you, they might shelve you, which was which was a problem back in the day, too. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, um the one cool thing is that you could be your own machine, and if you get big enough, the machine will start paying attention to you. But don't think that these labels are going to be like your savior, man. Because right. especially nowadays, they're meaning less and less and less and less and how music is distributed and consumed, right? You know? Man, that, no true words have been spoken. Wow. Thank you for that. that. I mean, so everybody listening, if you're out on the hunt to get signed or to get a deal or just to even make it in the music business, Listen to what Uli just said. That shit is on. And point. get a lawyer. Get a yes. <laughs> Amen to, and a good accountant, right? Yes. Yes. Dude, don't fuck around. <laughs> don't right. think you're going to be able to read that legalese by yourself and your homie around the block That's who right. fucking is a fucking clerk at the county. Right. Dude, get an entertainment lawyer that's legit. That's right. that's right. Have them go through that shit. Have them get that fucking pen, that Sharpie. That red line, that baby. your Sharpie. Yep. Start fucking changing things for you because, yeah. you know, el que no llora no mama, baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got to cry. You got to scream. You got to, you got to like stand up for yourself because, um, yeah, man, it, 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 like I said, at this point, especially, especially how we are as a music industry now, 
if, if, if you're not motivated by love, I don't know what to tell you, man. The right. only reason why I'm in this still, you know, cause any, any rational person would be like, Oh, you're, you're, you're in a profession that could be dead for the next year and a half. You know, right. most people would be like, Oh, I better find another job. Right. It's like, right. no, this is, this, this is, is plan A, B and C for see. me. dude. Like I got to do this as a living, you know, I'm so one way or another. I'm so you glad know? you said that, but Hey, Hey, if, if you catch me grinding out there doing something else, just say hello. Yeah, right. <laughs> and there's, there's no shame in that either, you know? It's like, No, hey, of course not. You got to support I know your people, fam. I know, shit, I know people who have amazing jobs and they do the music thing on the side almost as a fun thing. Right. And I'm like, dude, you don't even have to do this. It's almost like a hobby for them. God bless them. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, switching gears. Do you mind if we do some rapid fire questions? Yeah, sure. All right, and we'll wrap it up with this. Favorite food? Ooh. Um, I'm going to, well, favorite food-wise, I'm going to go with three different cuisines. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Mexican cuisine. Yeah. Because it's so fucking amazing, right? Spanish cuisine, because it holds a dear place in my heart with my family. And Mexican cuisine, too, yeah. obviously. And Japanese cuisine. Um, uh, my wife's Japanese and I always loved Japanese food from when I was a kid, but to go over there and eat it and yes. just live off of it for like a, like a good month. I mean, I love it. You know, that's so but, cool. But don't get me wrong. I love all kinds of food. Right. Like in my neighborhood, there's a lot of Salvadoreños. There's a lot of Cubanos. Yeah. There's a lot of everything. So, um, like. I got it all like around here. You know what I mean? I love it. I love it. It's so awesome. Where are you at in LA? I live in Bell. Okay. So in the Southeast LA. So nice. off the 710. Very cool, man. See, I, but I grew up here. I, I grew up here. So I know this area very well. This area knows me very well. Yeah. So, you know, that's a beautiful thing, man. All right. And to follow it up, to wash it down, favorite libation. What are you drinking with that? As far as like a, an adult beverage is concerned, yeah, yeah. What do you, what, yeah, what are you enjoying for the adult? Uh, as side? far as uh, 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 um, well, I like it all, man. I'm gonna, yeah. you know, I love <laughs> Me too. beer. Guilty. I, I love beer. <laughs> There's certain food that pairs amazingly yes. with beer, like yes. tacos, sushi. Mm, yep. You know, certain things. But then I love wine too. I love yeah. drinking wine, and there's certain uh, um certain food that pairs amazingly with wine. You know, I remember when I was in Argentina, like having like this amazing steak with this, this, this amazing, uh, uh, wine from down there and, or right. in Chile, you know, right. um, the, the petite of Chile and all this shit out there, man, or right. Australia has amazing wine too. California, of course, Northern of course. California and Europe, yeah. but I love wine. So, um, you know, I think it depends on the dish, my man. Like, as far as, like, matching, you know what I mean? That's a good point. You know? Very true. Very true. Favorite yeah. sport? Uh, I like basketball a lot as far as watching. As far as participating, um, I'm, I, I like I love jiu-jitsu. I've Ooh. been in jiu-jitsu since, like, 2001, you know? I'm so glad you said that. You're a black belt, right? It took me, yeah, it took me like almost 18 years, 16 years to do it. <laughs> Dude, that's so dope. I forgot to ask you. It's at the top of my notes. Oh, man, talk about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, real yeah. Real quick. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, how did you find time started, to do that? Yeah. Well, 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 the thing is, is that when we were, when I first started it, uh, uh, there's this other rap group, hip hop group in LA, real famous one, Dilated Peoples. Um, yes. Uh, Rocka from Dilated Peoples w- was training in it. And there was a moment where I was just like, kind of like, I, obviously music has always been a huge part of my life, but I was just kind of like, I kind of want to learn something else, man. Yeah. You know, and he suggested that. And at first, honestly, it didn't really resonate with me because I was like, dude, I'm kind of a, I'm not really like a fighting dude. And I don't want to just be mashed the fuck up by like guys and whatever. Cause at that point, you know, jujitsu was getting a lot of notoriety from like the first UFC and whatever mm. and the Gracie family. And he's like, dude, I studied with the Gracies, you know, like, you know, come down there and take the first lesson for free. And I was just like, Oh, part of me was like, nah, I don't know. And then I started thinking about it and I'm like, look, if, if you didn't play guitar and Jimi Hendrix came up to you and was like, Hey man, I want to give you a lesson. (laughs) Would you be like, no, (laughs) you'd be like, dude, give me a fucking lesson. (laughs) And that's how I kind of thought about it. I'm like, dude, one of the baddest families, the guy's arranging me to have a lesson with one of the baddest families in the fucking, uh, who do this shit. I should say, yes. So I did it. And for the longest time, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I just, that's why it took me so long to get a black belt is because I did it whenever I had time to do it. And I did it whenever I could do it. And I just yeah. was on this, I took it kind of like almost like music or, or any art, other art form. Cause I took a lot of my mindset of music into jujitsu in the sense where I'm like, look off the bat, I know I'm not going to be the baddest motherfucker doing this, but I like doing it. And I'm just going to keep doing it and to see how good I get, you know, I'm just going to see how good I get and just keep never quit, just not quit, you know, and that mentality kind of just always took me and I never, of course, you kind of care about the belt in a certain sense. But then by the time you get to brown belt, which is the belt right before black and you get your stripes and shit like that, at that point, you're just kind of on beast mode, you know, you're just like. I don't care if I get a black belt. I just know I can fuck somebody up. I'm like, ah, <laughs> you know, like, like, just like, 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 um, you're just so, it, it, uh, um, invested in the art and right. just whatever. And, and you're ready to just chew dirt, you know, just who cares, bro. And so, so I, at that point, you know, you know, it just, it, it, it took a lot of time, but yeah. unfortunately, and again, unfortunately, jujitsu kind of died because of the uh. pandemic. So, um, it's been a long time since I've been able to practice it because I have my own little, like, um, like club where it's a a bunch of guys from a lot of different schools. We we have our own mats and on uh, a lot of the guys are either musicians or artists or have like, like different kinds of jobs. And we'll meet around 11 in the morning and we roll, you know, we just have fun and we roll and we talk shit and have a lot of fun, you know? That's awesome. Have you ever had to use any of your knowledge? Have you ever been in a sticky situation on the road where you're like, all right, let me handle this dude before he gets out of control? Not, not serious, <laughs> hardcore. Yeah. Not serious. Like one time I put a guy in a choke and he like, he stopped pretty quick. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, but, but I think what, what it is too, is that once you have that kind of confidence that you uh, could possibly be able to handle yourself, yeah. the way you kind of act in those situations, it's like a lot more calm right. because it's like, I remember one time we were in Australia and this guy just bolted out of the alley 
and ran up on it. And it was like me and the DJ guy. And, and immediately I was just like, all right, we're ready to, we're about to fucking scrap right here. And my body language was the immediate where I already had a stance and I was ready to like fucking, you know, go at it with this guy. And that guy immediately saw that. And he was just like, he stopped. Cause I think he was trying to use the elements of surprise. just to like either sucker punch one of us or whatever. Uh, and, and it was funny because he just stopped. And I was like, I was like, kind of like, what the fuck you want, man? You know, right. like, <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny, but so thankfully, but it, it's funny because even being a black belt and studying jujitsu at all this time, I realized how soft I am. Uh, you know, like there's right, some yeah. really tough guys out there, man. And don't, ever you know judge a book by its cover you know what i mean right you know like you know like 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 they say don't be selling those wolf cards those wolf tickets you know yeah. don't be out there fucking thinking you're the hardest motherfucker because believe me even with studying jujitsu for as long as i have some guy can sucker punch you and that's it it's it's this isn't no ninja shit you know what i mean like right some guys can just take you out you know and right. that's just reality but it, but yeah so Jiu-jitsu is definitely one of my favorite sports, basketball, of course, football, soccer. I mean, I watch it with yeah, the yeah. family, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. any good. I'm not any good at it at all, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So would it be safe to assume my next question that you spend your free time, if you can, working out with some jujitsu with your homies or, back, you know. Back in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-quarantine, yeah. definitely. Yeah. We would meet up at least two, three times a week. You know, and after that, we go get food. Like, there's That's a taqueria awesome. right here. Yeah. There's this amazing, uh, like, there's this Cuban deli where it's oh. like for 10 bucks, you get this huge plate and they change the menu every day. Oh, like, dude. Uh, rabo encendido, Ugh. like lechon. I mean, true, it's, it, it, it's probably not the best food to eat post workout. Right. But fuck it, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, Tostones um, and empanadas and oh, whatever, man, whatever. They on. got it all there. So uh, um, there's a bunch of spots like that we'll go eat after, or there's yeah. another spot like they have beer and sandwiches. And it's kind of a more social thing. And so that's cool. Um, lately, my thing is, is that it's been important to. Because at this point, sometimes it feels like Groundhog Day, bro. Like, yeah, like just my the way my life is. I take care of elderly parents. I have <sighs> my my you know my family, my wife, and I don't have no kids. But yeah. it's it's it, it's turned into like this almost like this Groundhog Day. So I try to maintain a a a, a, a routine of sorts. Yes, yes. So like the same way, like. Like I, I, I was watching all these things about people's mindsets when things like this happen. And I caught on this one guy's channel. It's, it's like life after or some shit like that. This convict guy that talks about like the mentality that you might have to have when you're like in jail, establishing a routine. Right. And I was just like, that's what I got to do. That's I was right. like, I got to establish a routine that's right. where I wake up, make my coffee, walk my dog, catch up on the news. Yep. exercise yeah eat lunch like practice yes. you know practice my horn you know uh, and then by the end of it like around four o'clock four four twenty i have my little like my, right. my, my 420 dub session where i i get on the on the ozo motley's instagram and i just like play i basically play and talk shit and just hang out right? i love and that my wife turned me on to it bro kuda bro that thing is so much fun Super dope. And that's the whole thing is like, I'm not reinventing the wheel, bro. I'm not, I'm no, not, I'm not, 
Yeah, of course. It's like, I'm not trying to show off chops. I'm not trying to show yeah. you how good I am or whatever. It's like, I'm just having fun playing over these rhythms. It's almost like the, 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 the funkiest, coolest Jamie Abersall, right? Right. You know, it's like, yes. like, like, it's just like really cool. And I get to play and I get to do my little thing and, um, That's and stay connected with the audience. That's yes. my big thing is this is trying to engage and stay connected and show appreciation to my audience because I want them to know that we're still functioning. The, the, the engine, it's not revving, but it's yeah. on right now. It's idling. And Ozo Motley, we're still operating on a certain level, even though the shows are not happening. But we want the, you know, because that's the thing. It's like, whereas back in the day, I remember people used to say, hey, man, if you don't record an album in a year, people are just going to straight forget you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, it's like, shit, like a couple weeks and people forget <laughs> you, man. You know, if you don't like, put out a new piece of content, right, exactly. You know, yeah. like they say, you know, here yeah. today, gone tomorrow. Nowadays, it's like here today, gone later today, right? <laughs> it's like... It's gone in like, a few minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> it's constantly keeping that engagement. Yeah. Like we, we, as far as plans for the future, like we, we're, we're thinking... We have a lot of outtakes and extra tracks from, from different projects in the past. Like we had this album called Nonstop, uh, where we mix Mexican music with Jamaican music. Ooh. We had a lot of like extra tracks from that. Yeah. So we're already thinking like, hey, let's get some of these tracks. Uh, holiday season's coming up. Release them as some sort of promotion. Get people excited. Maybe buy a t-shirt or two. You know, get some money in there, you know? Yes. And, um, Cause that's, that's, that's what it's about. And also another project that we've always kind of, um, are, are always kind of thinking about too, is our Ozo kids project is that, you know, we have a kid's album Yes. and that was like definitely thinking out of the box for us because, you know, I don't really have kids. Other guys in the band have kids. Yeah. And it was always like one of these things, like, should we do an, a kid's album? But we opened and we did this, project with uh yo gabba gabba yeah i remember them <laughs> right i have a 13 year old she used to watch that shit when she was little yeah we we did this show man at yo gabba gabba yeah i was standing in the hallway and i'm seeing the merch table bro oh four lines 12 people deep come on I haven't seen that kind of merch action since ACDC at the forum. I was like, damn. <laughs> I'm like, dude, we got to get on this train, buddy. I was saying, but you guys do well with merch. You guys do really well. You create some yeah, cool we stuff. Do, we do all right. We do all yeah. right with the merch. But you know what I'm saying? Like I said, it's like, um, at this point, that's our like little lifeline. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. because 97, 8% of our, our, our bread and butter money is our gigs, man. Yeah. You know, sure we can get some like, you know, licensing here and there, which we do get, yes. which is a blessing when it comes down the pipe. Amen. But it's not. It's nothing. It's nothing that we can count on. That's the problem. Right. You know. Yo, it's so few you know? and far in between. My wife and I have our own band. We go through the same thing. Like you said, when you get those licenses, you're like, oh, thank God, this is awesome. But to try to keep the consistency, it's very difficult. That's Man. the difficult part. Yeah. I mean, like. Like, uh, unless you got like an album, like that one Moby record that like everything got licensed on it, mm -hmm. you know, like awesome. But that Dude, also had amazing. to do with, that also had to do with the time too, bro. Come on. True. It wasn't as true. saturated like it is now, you know? True that, true that. Yeah. 
Because nowadays it'd be like, oh, you want a Moby track? Let's not yeah. even call Moby. Right. My cousin can do <laughs> yeah, it. Right. <laughs> you know, actually, that reminds me. Another another film that we both worked on is Happy Feet 2. I, uh, I, yes. I played the guitars on that film, too. And you guys did some of that. Yeah, some of the music. We, yeah. we, well, what we did with the Happy Feet 2 was that we were in charge of the music for the video game. Ah, That's what we did. Because, because guess what? Huh. To license those songs... Uh-huh. For the video game would have been like fucking breaking the bank. Right. You know, you 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 remember the fucking the the the, the caliber of artists that they had on that soundtrack. Oh yeah. You know yeah. your gene. You know you name it. So what they did with us was like, okay guys, there was a Louis Prima song. Can you guys do a Louis right. Prima ish song? Okay, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Uh, there was a James Brown song. There was like under pressure. So we, right. basically, what we did is that we, we copied the style and we wrote in that style, which was actually really fun for us, you yeah. know, because some of these styles we wouldn't do in Ozomati, you know? Right. So to write an under-pressure style-like song, you know, um, and then they use that music for the video game. That's, okay. that's our connection for it. Well, super dope, super dope. Yeah. Man, I, I, I love all this information, man. It's like, ah. Oh. I, I just, some of my questions are going right out the window because you're, you're answering them before I can even ask them. I love the vibe. <laughs> uh, no, all right. I, 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 so, whatever you want to know, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm here, man. I love it. I love it. So you guys have done a lot of cool things um, as a band. Like we talked about some of the associations and do you guys have any dream collaborations that haven't happened yet? Do you like, yo, if we could do something with this person. Oh man. Or even you, know, you personally. You know, we've been blessed to have some amazing collaborations in our, in our career. Indeed. So like, like I remember when we first started, we were all about like that Fania shit, that New York, that New Yorican <sighs> salsa, Puerto Rican. We were big, obviously into the Cuban thing, yes. you know, Los Van Van, uh, Iraquere, yes. you yes. know, so, um, like we got to work with Johnny Pacheco. We got to work with Yomotoro. Like from the beginning, we were like huge Eddie Pamieri disciples. And like mm. by the fourth album, we got Eddie Pamieri to be on the album. Man. And that's so so that was like, man, you know. Come on, that's um, the pinnacle, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Hidalgo, like he does this whole beautiful wow. piano intro. We've had Dave Hidalgo. We've, we've collaborated with De La Soul, Common. Um, man, so much cool some, shit. <laughs> you know, so many people through the years, you know, um, people who we haven't collaborated, oh, of course, Santana, of course, duh, right. Like, it'd be, it would be ridiculous for me not to mention him because in many ways he, he, he like put us under his wing in a lot of ways as a young band that was really, really thirsty, you know? Mm. And we were ready to fucking walk through glass man just to be on the road and do whatever's mm -hmm. you know like 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 this is a super cool thing it's like i think let's see if i have it where the fuck i put it hold on one second here i'm gonna show you yeah 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 so this is a set list that i framed wow. santana set list august 24th 1999 idaho center boise right now right here you see on the bottom it says with Ozo Motley, you know, ah, we ah. played on like, 
Bacala Compan, which is a real famous Tiraquere song, or and and like we played on like three or four songs, man. And we right. were basically his horn horn section for that tour. And for us, that was already enough. That was enough. Right. But dude, by the end of the tour, this guy ends up handing us all checks for being the horn fucking guy Why? for that fucking tour. And and that always resonated with me because he was always wow. Dude, that that tour was almost like 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 a conservatory, like a summer music camp. Because mm-hmm. not only do you have Santana, like like hey, come in here, man, listen mm-hmm. to this. You know, like the first time I ever heard Femi, I heard I had heard Bella Kuti. First time I ever heard Femi Kuti was with him because he's like, listen to this, it's Fela's kid. Like whoa, wow. you know, listen to this. Like he had. Um, Benny Rigfield on the bass, who played Miles with Miles Davis. Right. Wow. He had um, a CT Chester Thompson on keys on that, that band. W- one of the main guys from Tower of Power, like OG guys. Yeah. Like he had these people that we could like talk to and interact. Of course, the percussionist R.I.P. Raúl Rico and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. the other homeboy. And it's like, like we Carl Carpardasso. It's like we had these heavy duty dudes that we were able to jam out with backstage and just hang out and talk and talk about like really respecting your elders and seeing like how these heavy duty cats have come along, man. And, you know, really, really, really important tour for us. And then when we did the tour with him and Mana, forget it, bro. We were like twenty year olds, like 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 frothing at the mouth because it's like <laughs> here we are, the first band rocking it, trying to give it our all, trying to kill it, right? And then we would have the rest of the time trying to just like party with people, you know? Just yeah, like, it was nice. Wow, that is so cool, man, dude, dude. All right, all right, and finally, look, last question. I don't want to take too much time. Here's the big one: proverbial drum roll, right? What would you do? If you weren't a career musician, hmm. damn, that's a tough one. Um, well, I could always say like, I guess do something in jujitsu because I like that, and I guess I have, I have the credentials for it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> do yeah. Something with it, you know, <laughs> if I really wanted to, you know, because not too many people make it to black belt, but, um. If you would ask me a, little, a long time ago, I would have been like, work at a record store. I'd be down for that. That would have been cool, but there isn't any of them anymore. Um, man, you'd be so good at a walker shit, you'd... man. I don't know, man. <laughs> you'd be so good at a record store. Every time somebody would come in to, to serve, you would just give them this whole freaking backstory and, 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 and encyclopedic in, in information, you know? Oh, dude, and that's the thing when you, that's so awesome. you know, I had, a, I had a friend who was a manager at Aaron's. And because of him, you know, my, my, my collection had like tripled during that time. Yeah. And, but that was always the cool thing about music. And to this day, I, I apply that to music, jiu-jitsu, any art uh, that I do, is that there's always something you don't know. There's always somebody that's better than you in a certain thing. And there's always something new to be learned, to get mm. hip to. And, and especially when we were like being cultural ambassadors, when we were like, you know, traveling to like and touring countries that like nobody goes to. Right. Yes. Like I was getting hip to music that if it wasn't for me being physically there, I probably would have never heard in my life. 
Right. And that's always exhilarating for me, man. That's always like, oh my God, like nobody back home knows about this shit. Ooh. You know, like, like I coming back home and like, like I even remember like our first, one of the first trips we ever did was we, 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 we paid for ourselves and we went to Cuba because at that time, like no Americans were there and the sanctions were pretty hard, you know? Right. But the, our mentality at the time was like, we want to go see the baddest on the island play. We yes. want to see the music. Yes. So we flew from Mexico to, to over there. And I remember coming back with music and being, and hipping guys here, like be like, yo, listen to this man. Uh-huh. And 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 wow. just blowing minds, you know, wow. and that's that's always like a musician kind of like hard on thing, right? Like to right. play your buddy something <laughs> right. that blows right. their mind too. Yeah. Where they're not just like, where they're not just like just keeping it cool and be like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. No, where they're like, Mike, what the fuck is Wait, that? Yeah, you, you like this? that? Huh? Yeah, you like that? Huh? You like that? Huh? <laughs> I know you can't have a copy, motherfucker. You know, um, uh, yeah. So like in Cuba, we experienced that type of vibe in in like mongolia india of course in north africa there would be times where we were listening to music where we'd be like man like madagascar like dude when i heard of madag music malagasy music i was like what the fuck is this like (laughs) oh my god this is a groove i've never heard in my life man wow you know man that see that's Okay, you just blew my mind. You didn't even show me anything, but just the concept of listening to all these different regions and, and all right, and and and, and you know oh, yeah. what? You got we got to touch on that because you guys do advocate for the farm workers' rights and immigrants' reform. Can you touch on that real quick before we wrap? Well, one thing with Ozo Motley is that we've oh, it, it's always kind of been part of our kind of like ethos that whatever we felt was important in the band to, to, to like, if, 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 if it was like immigration, helping immigration reform or helping farm workers or helping something, if everybody was on board, like let's use our voices and our music and our presence to support that. Yes. So through the, like our first couple of years, honestly, we were like the house band for every cause in LA, man. That's it's like awesome. we were always playing for some demonstration or some benefit, some rally, some shit. And, and that's how we kind of got around. And, um, it's always been, I think something important with us that we feel is kind of like, you know, and that's the other thing too, is that causes and issues from that point to this point have evolved and changed obviously. And there's Mm. some things haven't changed shit. Some things Mm. are still fucked up. Right. And it's still something that, still needs attention and still needs reform you know obviously immigration being one of them and it's like but um uh it's something that's just part of the band and we you know because of that kind of vibe you know we've been able to have these amazing moments where you're sharing your music and it's not about the money at that point it's about lifting Mm -hmm. souls lifting spirits Mm -hmm. having them come up to you and being like Thank you for for motivating me to do the the next level of work. That's right. Uh, you know, and that's huge for for a musician. You know, like have someone say that your art and your music uh, helped them in some way to overcome something really really heavy. And shit, sometimes I don't even know what to say when sometimes people come up to me and like I've had people come up to me and say like, 
they went through something really, really bad, whether it's an accident or something immensely tragic and that I could never fathom, you know? Mm. And they're telling me that the music that I was a part of helped them get through it. It's just like, wow, like all I can be is appreciative and, and thankful and be like, I'm, I'm glad that that happened to you because in the same way that that's happened to you, I've had artists around me, my elders, that that's happened to me, right? You know, like I've always said, like, if it's come down to it, Jack, and, 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 and I'm, I'm, on, I'm almost like in a vegetative state, put some Sony headphones on me, bro. Yeah, the good put ones. A Love Supreme. There you go. <laughs> John Coltrane's a Love Supreme, and let that morphine drip hard, bro. Yeah, that's right. That's how I want to go. That's Just right. listening to something beautiful that transcends me. And, and, um, and you know, uh, the, I, I know that you've, I'm sure you've, it, music being so important in your life, I'm sure you have music and artists that change your life. So it, it's so, it's so important. That type of connection is just so much more valuable in some ways that money could ever be, you know? That's right. The material, you know? That's right. Man. And that's it, man. Attitude of gratitude for those moments and for yep. when those people tell tell us stuff like that. There's what can we do but be grateful? You're absolutely right. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, yeah, man. Uli, this has been amazing. I am honored that you spoke with us today. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you for having me. Much appreciation, much love to all the people who are toiling the minds of the music industry here. That's right. And uh, I hope I hope whatever uh, I said can give you know can be advantageous to your trek in this in this in this canyon of <laughs> the music industry. <laughs> oh man, it's fucking crazy! It's fucked up. <laughs> that was hey, that was well put. That was well put. Thank you, brother. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. No, and and that's the thing. That's one of the things too. And I'm just going to end with this. Yeah. Because. You know, like, as far as the band is concerned, a lot of us are on this tip, like, okay, when this all is said and done and it all ends, what's going to be the climate? How are people going to want to, are they, are, is everybody going to want to rush out? People are going to be more laid back or not want to come out. Right. How do we, do, how do we do, motivate this and how do we survive to that point? Because that's the other thing. It's like, how many bands are going to make it over the hump here? Because you got to think between the bands that are in debt to you name it right to the bands who have a lot of people they have to support you know it's like how are they going to survive you know so um it's always good to project on how like you know when things open how are things going to happen and if you can be prepared to hit the ground running you know what i mean because yes. believe me you know a shit like my, my, my Turing bag is, is collecting dust and I don't like that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because you guys just recorded a new album recently, right? Or you're working on yeah. it still. And that's the thing, you know, so it's like, here we are with a two, new, new album. So again, like, how do we deal with this new music, especially at this yeah. moment? Do we wait? Do we wait till we can actually properly tour it? Or do we just throw it into the void? Where most likely it won't do shit because it's like a thousand and one other things, million things are out there. Yes. Or do we, or do we double down and maybe could possibly go into debt and actually hire a bunch of team of publicists 
to basically start fucking waving flags and burning houses, which is another strategy, right? You know, like, because that's what sometimes it takes. It's like getting a team to all of a sudden be like, hey, everybody, Ozumali has new music. You know, it's like, because if you throw it into the void, you know, as much as I do and everybody else does, shit, it could be the fucking baddest piece of music that you've ever done in your life. And you'll get like five people listening to it, man. You know? And that's not, it's not, it's not, you know, it's just, it's the environment and it's how it is. And it's something that we have to overcome in how to promote ourselves, how to push ourselves, how to fucking, you know, um, get it out there. You know, I mean, there's, Mm. I'm sure there's people who are way better at it than me, even obviously like, like that have like either a method or they have a strategy and all this. All I know is that I listen to people. And, and then we powwow amongst ourselves in the band about a consensus, you know, about Yo. how to do it. So true. But again, that goes back to your, your, your strong business, business ethic as a band. You guys know how to come together and, and deal with some of the hardest issues and get it done. Obviously, just look at your I success. Mean, I mean, yeah, but then, you know, that's the thing. It's like, maybe our model might not be the one that might be the best for your band. Right. Um, maybe it might be, you know, because I just know from personal experience that I've seen so many bands that where it's like, here's two guys, you know, that are getting all the publishing money. And then just like in that movie, the NWA movie, y'all are having lobster for breakfast. I'm having fat burger. Right, you know what I mean? Right, right. That was a, that, that legit, scene yeah. like really resonated right. in me. Yeah. You know, where, where Easy E's having, you know, a, a brunch with the manager, they're fucking chomping on breakfast, but yeah. the, you know, the creative guys are fucking still eating burgers. So, right, right. you know, we, and, 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 and what does, what, what happens in those instances is resentment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why is that guy fucking driving a nice car and I'm still in my bucket? You know, why is that? So we had to figure something out early on and how to like deal with that. And maybe there's other creative ways to deal with it, you know? Um, um, But you guys found your lane. You guys found your lane. Well, we, we, we figured out a way to do it. That, that um, is for the betterment of all of us all together, you know? Um, And that's really what it's about. And it's, and it's maintained us a certain amount of security because for the longest time, you know, it's like, um, you know how it is. It's like you get paid gig to gig. And we Mm. were like, no, we got to get paid monthly. We had to set it up like that where there was always a certain amount of money to pay out, you know, people. And when we didn't have that certain amount of money, well then, then we had to take a bite of the shit sandwich, you know, but there was always about keeping that amount where, you know, however amount that we were having that month, whatever, you know, when we first started, it was very little, but right. we were able to grow it, grow it, grow it, grow it, you know? So it's given us that longevity that as a band that, you know, um, us as middle-aged men now can, you know, can still, hopefully when everything is said and done, we can still tour and we can still play and we'll still be able to like, you know, uh, draw the crowds. I believe that day is coming, man, and you guys are gonna crush that shit. <laughs> hey, I, like I said, dude, I'm ready, bro. You, yeah. just, you tell me right now that there's a gig and there's like a and it's the size of a closet, 
<laughs> and, I, and I have to buy a drink. I'll do it. You'll do it. <laughs> well, I might, I might try to get you over here to the studio and, and I'll give you a drink. <laughs> right. Right. No, I mean, you know, that's the thing, you know, and, and I've done some sessions during this quarantine time. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, record stuff and send it out. Sure, sure. There was even one time where the guy wanted me to show up to the studio and I did that, right. you know, but then it's all like super paranoia vibe. Cause everyone's right. all like, don't right. affect me and shit. Right. But you know, um, it's, 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 it's legit. And you know, what's crazy, man. At that session, I was having such a good time. And it was like, it was a good session. Cause it was a track with a lot of horns in it. And not yeah. simple lines either. Like it took me time to like learn this shit, right? Right. And I was having such a good time just laying down these horn lines and just being in the mist that like I walked in all like, all right, can I let me hear it back? And people were just kind of like, dude, you gotta put your mask back on. Like oh, right. I had forgotten. Right. I had totally was back in the moment of like right. what quarantine. Right. I'm fucking grinding, <laughs> man. Yeah. This is the shit. Like I'm fucking playing music again. You know, oh man. All right, Uli. I, I, I mean, bro, I can't say enough. You're the no, man. It's all good. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me, and thank you for having this type of this type of uh, of of content because it's what's necessary for you know. Again, you know, like all you young cats out there, all you young musicians who are wanting to make this your life, you know. Um, Believe me, like, like it's always best to keep an open mind and hear the advice of like people who've gone through it, who might be able to help you, you know, because the last thing you need is to be, you know, stuck in a situation that's basically going to force you to stop playing music. You're going to be mm. like, fuck music, right. you know? And I know if I've had that moment sometimes where I'm just like, you know what, man, fuck music because it's not not playing, no, not but having, you know, this, but the, the business, industry yes. and what it is, the business, yes. fuck this shit, you know. Yes. But but you know, um, then something will happen, and something will either re reinvigorate me, or make me see it differently, or whatever, yeah. or just or just call it a day and take the L, as the kids say, <laughs> you know, just fucking take the L and just move it on, yeah. you know, and just try to find the next win, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's life, man. It's so awesome. Your value is not determined by the gig. Learn more by listening to the Career Musician Podcast, streaming everywhere. Subscribe to the brand new Career Musician YouTube channel, now streaming all of the Career Musician podcast episodes. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man, writing the songs in this one man band. A nomad.
Hey, this is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast, and I am thoroughly stoked to be an official member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Pantheon Podcast Network is the first of its kind as an all-music-based podcast collective. Please be sure to check us out at pantheonpodcast.com for more info. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.